0: This episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by PagerDuty. Folks, if you work in IT ops, IT administration, you've got to know PagerDuty. PagerDuty eliminates the noise, chaos, and manual processes across the entire incident life cycle. All the stuff that keeps you up at night, all the stuff that's complicated when applications fail and networks fail. And let's be honest, it happens. So PagerDuty is trusted by companies like Etsy, Nike, and GitHub, and a whole bunch of other companies that you guys know and trust on the internet. So, to sign up for a free 30 day trial, visit www.pagerduty.com. And now, onto the show. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Dell and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Today's show is dedicated to the memory of a very good friend of our show, Jim Ruddy, who unfortunately left us last week in a, in a car accident. Um, Jim loved life, uh, loved exploring all the new technology that we kind of cover on the show, and we're going to miss him. Um, unfortunately, uh, we'll miss him. We both knew him very, very well. So um, to that, tonight, we're going to dedicate the show to Jim. Uh, but with that, let's, let's move on to something a little more upbeat. Uh, good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Cloudcast Coming to you again live from Raleigh, North Carolina. And Aaron, uh, welcome back, man.
1: Yeah, I know. It's been
0: a little bit. Yeah. So while you were off sort of soaking up the sun on vacation and uh, celebrating your wife's birthday, uh, I was out in Portland. Uh, first time at OzCon. You've been to OzCon before,
1: I know. Yes, absolutely. The uh, The place where you can't tell the homeless from the developers,
0: right? <laughs> I did hear that a few times. No, it was a cool show. It was uh, It was good to, to kind of see that community and, and deal with it. Um, you know a lot of what was going on out there was was around docker and because you couldn 't go more than five feet without talking about docker and one of the cool conversations that I kind of ran into accidentally um, and we need to thank andy piper for for introducing us is uh, I got introduced to uh, Dave Lester uh, from Twitter so Dave, welcome to the show man. Good to have you on
2: thanks for having me on
0: and uh, so we're you know we 're talking to Andy because uh, andy 's been on before when he was talking about uh, cloud Foundry stuff, and he said. Uh, you should talk to Dave, Dave works on this cool stuff called mesos, and I was like, okay, what in, what in the world is that and the cool thing was there 's a couple of sessions about it uh, you know how it works and what it does so we thought you know what let's let 's have him on he's he 's super passionate about it. this got started at twitter he 's at twitter there 's a bunch of stuff cool stuff coming on so uh, glad to have you on man and uh, kind of excited to dig into this a little bit
1: yeah i 'm excited as well thanks. So uh, so for folks, so Dave. First of all, ahead. does it does it work with Docker? Because that's all we need to know, right? It does. So, <laughs> am I done? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I done. We to know here. Right. no. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> there, there is some existing integration with Docker. Uh, I can maybe once we get a little deeper into some of the architecture, it might make slightly more sense. But there's a Docker executor, executor currently. Um, in the upcoming zero twenty release, there'll be tighter integration with Docker and. There's also some, some really exciting stuff happening in the community uh, related to Docker and Mesos schedulers. So Kubernetes and Docker uh, running on top of Mesos. So there's lots of different opportunities based upon, uh, I think, some different different types of use cases for Docker and Mesos. Okay, well,
1: so cool. for those out out there that aren't familiar with it, you know, start at the give us the one hundred and one. What what exactly is it? And and and. How do you guys use it at, at Twitter, or how did it come into being, I guess, is a better question. Sure. So Mesos is a
2: resource manager. You, we sometimes refer to it actually as the, the kernel of our data center. It's essentially software that's responsible for um, managing and understanding um, the um, the resources of all of our machines in our data center at a given time uh, and efficiently um, allocating those resources to different applications. So there are two main goals that Mesos kind of seeks out to, to uh, achieve. The first is increased utilization of applications. So, you know, today's machines' um, servers have incredible uh, profiles, right? They have tons of RAM and CPU, and it's really difficult to write applications that can highly utilize all that um, on every single machine in tandem. So as software, Mesos kind of helps to... Increase that utilization, which ultimately uh, you know reduces uh, capital expenses, operating expenditures, etc. Um, and Mesos is also tasked with handling failures. So because it's this layer abstraction between you know Mesos is software that you run on all the machines in your cluster, and that enables it to um, detect when there is different types of failure, such as a machine going offline, and If there are important tasks or applications that are running on those machines, it can dynamically and efficiently kind of move those tasks onto other machines. That way, you know, your site keeps
0: going and, and, you know, everyone's happy. Yeah. So it's, you know, this might not be the best analogy in the world, but it sort of sounds like it's, it's kind of like a, almost like a super brain for what's going on inside the data center, right? It's kind of uh, it, it's doing some scheduling. It keeps track of you know where certain elements are running actively, where their resources are free. Um, I mean, it's it's a it sounds like a pretty complicated thing, correct? I mean, in terms of having to keep track of what all's going on, especially in a I would guess a pretty dynamic environment like Twitter, where you could have the Super Bowl going on, or you could just have a Tuesday afternoon. Exactly,
2: and actually, the scheduling component of Mesos is taken taken out of taken out of Mesos. We have What we call uh, schedulers, or sometimes application frameworks that run on top of Mesos, so you can actually have different types of scheduling logic that are running kind of concurrently on your Mesos cluster. Uh, And I I should mention, kind of one of the underlying motivations and shifts here uh, in adopting a system like Mesos is moving away from static partitioning and toward um, a dynamic, uh, dynamic resource sharing within a cluster. So. you know, it's not too long ago, even at a place like Twitter. But also, you know, I talked to lots of companies, and you hear this pretty frequently. You will have statically allocated clusters for specific types of applications or or use cases. So, for example, you have your Hadoop cluster. You have uh, maybe a cluster that's running some type of uh, tier one service, etc. And um, what happens is that you're not continuously using all of the resources within those clusters. You basically you know, broken them up into some manageable uh, size that you can essentially maintain and operate those machines at any given point. Um, whereas with Mesos, the proposition is slightly different. It's let's bring all these servers, these resources together into a single cluster, um, or at least a single set of clusters which can be managed within Mesos, um, and then Mesos itself will kind of automate and help to, to manage uh, the dynamic kind of resource passing between these applications. So good, a great use case is um, the difference between running services and batch jobs. So you can imagine um, certain times of the day, if you're running, for example, you know services uh, on your Mesos cluster, you'll have high points and low points in terms of traffic. And during those low points, um, you know, the... The fans on on your servers, so to speak, are spinning slower, right? Because there's less traffic. An ideal use case for Mesos would to be would be to run batch jobs on those same servers uh, to highly utilize the the ability of those servers when you have that downtime. And that's why a resource manager is really integral to be able to do those really exciting
0: things. So, Aaron, it's it's interesting, and I want to get in a little bit to the to the background of of where Mesos came from and the, the types of problems it was kind of solving. So Aaron like when when he's explaining this at least to me I'm kind of going okay uh you've got a bunch of workloads they're somewhat dynamic um you're trying to better utilize the the underlying compute uh at times you're kind of trying to play tetris with you know uh heavy workloads or heavy utilization lighter utilization um and you're doing this now with a little more fungible resources because you can use docker containers you can use sort of layered containers it, it sounds a little bit like, kind of the stuff that people talked about when virtualization first kind of came out, and there was all these sort of promises of how you're going to better utilize stuff. But but virtualization never really did that because you didn't have applications that were kind of dynamic like that, or you couldn't get granular enough with the machine. You know, people weren't comfortable with the idea of being really granular with machines of sharing all these resources. I mean, it sort of sounds like this is this is this next generation of how do I Take a bunch of resources that do different things and, and slice up slice them up, and then sort of turn them on, turn them off, you yep. know, mix and match them I mean it's- and, and
1: think about it this way too the, the the tetris blocks analogy think of it as if I understand it correctly is this is more of true tetris of different size blocks for different applications or different workloads as opposed to in virtualization it almost seems like you're playing Tetris, but you were using nothing but squares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all exactly the same, right? Um, and they all had a certain amount of overhead, and everything kind of looked the same, smelled the same. So, yeah, I completely agree. This very much seems like that ability to really kind of next generation taking it to another level.
0: Now, Dave, like when I was sort of reading up on this, and there's some there's some good pictures and architectural diagrams, um, like on the Apache uh, Mesos page at first I was looking at it and, you know, I see things like Hadoop scheduler and, and zookeeper and, and MPI scheduler. And I think at first I thought, okay, those are part of the architecture. Like you have to have all those pieces. I think what you're saying is Mesos is sort of designed to, to leverage or integrate with a bunch of different scheduler things, depending on what you want those jobs to really do. Is that, is that right?
2: That's, that's really the the, the promise of, of Mesos. So um, essentially, you could use Mesos as a way to build distributed systems of your own, uh, different applications. They don't have to necessarily be an existing, uh, an existing scheduler. So we have a variety. At Twitter, we use a framework called Aurora, which is actually now part of the Apache Software Foundation, and that's how we um, run our services at scale. And it has a number of different features that are really critical for deploying new services, uh, for managing them, for monitoring them, et cetera, um, but then there are also a variety of um, schedulers or frameworks that are doing different types of batch workloads uh, as well. And there are other, you know, there are other service frameworks as well. You, you know, you can almost think of these schedulers as being apps, yeah. um, you know, and they're running on what is essentially this big data center computer. We get, we've abstracted it away. You're no longer thinking about machines, at least from an operator's perspective. Uh, instead... Um, you 're thinking about you know running your, running your Hadoop app on your Mesos cluster, running your Aurora app and, and you know maybe your services running on your Aurora app in your mesos cluster and I think that 's a really a really powerful uh, way of thinking about it, and it also kind of simplifies what are you know in some ways complex internals in mesos but it 's also what gives the system the power which really enables it to really make you know, companies like Twitter scale
1: so and does the, does Hadoop actually feed in to Mesos? Like, is it a constant feeding information into Hadoop, and then Mesos is, is, is pulling information out of Hadoop? Or tell us a little bit more about the interaction of the pieces.
2: So, so Hadoop is, um, is one scheduler. Um, it's completely optional. Um, you know, if you want to run specific uh, batch workloads, you may want to run, you know, Hadoop version 1 on Mesos, um but but you don't you don't have to I think the diagram you're referring to is actually uh it was pointing out to Hadoop but that was just an example an example scheduler
0: yeah so mesos really isn't like a it's not a data path system it's really it's a it's a resource manager I mean it's a scheduling and resource manager so like Hadoop is going to run on those nodes that where Hadoop is running um it's it's got its name node it's got its thing that's keeping track of where data is but in terms of Hadoop saying things like um, I'd like to run three times as fast. And so if I, could, if I had another 30 or 40 nodes, I could get this job done. It can just go to Mesos and basically say, I need another 30 or 40 nodes and not have to think about what, what, where those nodes are, what those nodes look like. Was that?
2: Exactly. Okay. So Mesos has this concept of, of resource offers, and it's essentially um, continuously monitoring what resources are available in the system and to the schedulers that are running, so for example, this would be the Hadoop scheduler, it would say, I have you know, this number of cores, et cetera, and you know, Hadoop would then decide whether or not uh, it had a need for those, and then it would schedule those, those specific jobs on those machines. Yeah,
0: ahead, so bro. I mean, in theory, you know, and, and again, we, we sort of talked ahead of time, we don't want to get you in trouble with anybody with, with Twitter, but I mean, in theory, Twitter looks at, at Mesos's. Its resource allocation layer. I mean, any 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 new application that somebody wants to write that you know is going to use resource. Do you guys tend to say we're going to write that to to interface into Mesos so that there is that consistency across Twitter? Is that sort of a a goal or a guideline you guys tend to have?
2: What what I can say is you know these are all abstractions. So mm-hmm. Mesos is this great abstraction for you know taking away the concerns of. The, the profiles and the individual qualities of machines and their state away from application developers. Uh, Aurora is a scheduler that we run at Twitter. And essentially, you know, when someone wants to run a service or write a service, they're writing a service that runs on top of Aurora. Okay. Um, so so those, those are the kind of layers that,
0: you know, in terms of how
2: we think about it.
0: Gotcha. That makes mm-hmm. sense. interesting. It makes yep. sense. I mean, it's, it lets you guys sort of... Just focus on the applications and the services. I mean, the, the plumbing is the plumbing. You don't worry about the plumbing.
1: Now, yeah. is it is it just compute, or does it also interact with, I don't know, load balancers or networking or other portions of the data center as well?
2: At this time, it is it is compute. There are there's certain work that's happening specifically around network isolation, and, you know, there's some interesting, you know, if you hop on the developer mailing list, you'll see some interesting discussions about that, but that's a concern which has been kind of separated away from Mesos at this point.
1: One of the other questions I was wondering, too, is is mm-hmm. this does seem very low-level in the fact that it's almost, you know, sh- straight-up bare metal or around containers. Um, is this something that that could live on top of say, OpenStack or, or something that is uh, either you know one of the cloud management systems that are out there or, or some kind of virtualized environment, or is this pretty much just containers environmental? bare metal? It can absolutely
2: coexist with, um, with OpenStack or other kind of infrastructure as a service. Um, so there are a number of really interesting, I think, use cases of Mesos right now. Um, folks from eBay had uh, blogged uh, probably about two months ago now about how they were using uh, Jenkins on, on Mesos, and they're specifically running that um, in Docker containers on top of Mesos. So, like, you know, they're all the sure. buzzwords in one sentence. but Right, um, they,
1: they, they get the, uh, the bingo award. Yeah, for...
2: <laughs> yeah. But to break that down a little bit, um, they're already using OpenStack, um, and, you know, they're not throwing that out. Uh, in this in this case, what they're doing instead is uh, they're installing Mesos on um, some of those those individual machines that are already being managed by using OpenStack. Sure, sure. Um, and, and you know, I, ultimately, um, it'll be interesting to see the different use cases. This this is something which, you know, obviously many companies have made huge investments in projects like OpenStack, uh, but they're flirting with. You know interests in mesos for various reasons um, so that that may make sense for certain for certain companies, but to go back to this earlier point about you know different schedulers or frameworks, you can think of them almost as different apps in the case of eBay, they were interested in one specific problem which was you know how do we run our continuous integration more efficiently um, and you know Mesos was the solution that they came to, and uh, actually it was easier to do that with mesos than it was to do that with Jenkins normally. So, um, increasingly, you know, I don't think there's one way to do things. No, there is there, There's obviously the Twitter way, uh,
1: but you know, there are probably many different ways that you could be spinning up your Mesos cluster. Hmm, very cool. Yeah, and it it almost seems like because again, the early adoption aspects of all of this, uh, a lot of web scale companies typically. So yeah, of course, yourselves, eBay, Netflix, PayPal, all these, pretty much everyone that's out there. That's uh, you know and household name when it comes to web scale is pretty much using this at this point. But is this something that that you foresee, like, what are some of the use cases maybe that are going to be emerging uh, before too much longer? Or what are some of the things you've heard of besides the eBay example of somewhere you're like, oh, wow, I never really thought about that. That's really cool.
2: I think there are a few trends right now in the Mesos community. Um, one of them is Toward a multi-framework world. So at Twitter, we're primarily running uh, services on Mesos uh, that are running on top of Aurora. So Aurora, and actually, so we've been using uh, Mesos at Twitter for four years now. I should have probably added a little bit of the history of the project as well. Mesos began originally as a research project at Berkeley, um, the same lab that Spark came out of. Um, And you know, we we adopted it at Twitter. We brought on Ben Hyman, who was one of the core. Co-creators of Mesos, um, and in tandem, we were developing Aurora, which is our ske- our scheduler. We open sourced Aurora late last year. Okay. So you've actually seen this interesting um, growth pattern. You know, you can look historically. All the Aurora commits go back to the beginning of the project, and where you know, what are the concerns of the scheduler? What are the re- concerns of the resource manager? These have kind of evolved over time. And increasingly, as there are more schedulers out there, for example, there's uh, for running services alone. There are um, HubSpot has a has a scheduler called Singularity. Uh, there's a company called Mesosphere, and they developed a framework called Marathon. And these are all um, trying to run services slightly differently, but they're solving a kind of similar set of problems for long-running services. And now that we have you know all these different frameworks, uh, you know schedulers, apps, whatever term you want to use to describe what they are, um, getting them, them to play nicely with one another is I think really going to increasingly be important for the project. Um, because, you know, schedulers are inherently greedy. You know, they're, they're basically trying to figure <laughs> That's out a good well, word. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're intentionally trying to understand what resources exist in the system and how can I utilize them as, you know, as efficiently as possible. So Um, You know, instead you have problems like schedulers grabbing resources from other schedulers, et cetera. Um, But I think as we move toward this, you know, a a use case for a lot of companies uh, is increasingly, you know, we want to run these three frameworks, um, you know, make that, you know, we'd like that to be easier. And and I think that's a direction that the project's going in and something which is appealing to companies of, you know, a a variety of sizes where if Mesos is this kind of consistent layer um, they're just kind of pulling these application frameworks off the shelf and, and running them on the same cluster.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Now, tell me a little bit more too about at what point in the life cycle of of um, Mesos did it go? Did it start in Apache? Did it go to Apache later on? And do you have any insight into the hows and whys of, of it? You know, why Apache? Sure. So the project
2: was at apache going back to the berkeley days um, okay. you know the amp lab spark is also in apache so there's definitely a long history uh history there
0: so so dave it you were you know like you were just kind of getting back to your idea that you know how schedulers work together and and trying to work through all that stuff um you know if i were if i were to go to uh like a non web scale company if i were to go to a you know large bank or something and sort of talk about that concept like they would their immediate thing would be like, well, how do I control, you know, are there limits I can set on how much certain, you know, one application or one framework can get? And is that something that that you guys worry about? Or is it because you're building these kind of f- applications that don't care if an individual node dies, you know, they'll spin up another instance of it? Is is that a big deal trying to protect the sched? you know, like how the scheduling mash- mashes together? Or are you really trying to be more focused on, you know, how do I get higher utilization, more consistent utilization. What, like, what, what are the, what are the big things, if you were to say like over the next six to 12 months or what might be talked about at MesosCon, like what are the big kind of scheduling things they're trying to figure out? So there's been
2: a lot of work recently around, um, you know, hardening, I think the system making it, um, work more in this kind of multi-framework world, which is, I think, opens up a lot of, a lot of possibilities for the software. Um, specifically around um, framework authorization and, and kind of understanding the integrity of running multiple schedulers at a given time uh, is, really, is really important. So you're not kind of running rogue processes, uh, things like that. Um, but within each individual scheduler, there's often logic for handling some of this as well. So to the earlier point I was making, um, as, you know, for example, Aurora and Mesos have evolved, certain features have kind of jumped between the scheduler or the resource manager layer at, at different points. And mm-hmm. what we're, I think we're seeing is um, you know, some of the features that, for example, we may have written into Aurora previously, You know, we can bring down into the Mesos layer, and other frameworks can take advantage of that. And that will, I think, give additional control, um, which I think will be appealing to a lot of different types of framework writers
0: as well as, as well as adopters interesting interesting yeah it's it's i mean the, the more i'm hearing you sort of talk about this i'm i'm going i'm i'm surprised more people haven't heard about it especially since something like hadoop is so sort of widespread and being used all over the place but is it something that you find that really kind of you you have to live in the web scale world to really kind of wrap your head around it or is it just the community is in that space or what you know, like who do you who would you who do you guys tend to, who do you interact with the most or the, the, the types of companies you interact with or the problems they solve?
2: I think very early on. So I, I've been involved with the Mesos community for about 14 months now. Early on, I think you were, you're absolutely right. The characterization of you know, larger web scale companies that are focused more on you know, increasing utilization of their, of their data center or of their cluster. We did a community survey that I led um, about three months ago, and it was really fascinating to actually see the evolving profile of who's using the project. So we asked you know, a variety of questions. Among them, you know, what are the frameworks that you're using? Why are you using those frameworks? And what is the size of your Mesos cluster? And we, and we published these online as well. If you look on the Mesos website, you'll, you'll see the stats. But it was really fascinating to see how many folks were running uh, Mesos on a cluster anywhere between one and five or ten machines, right? Which was, um, you know, significantly smaller scale than than a company like Twitter. Um, but they're obviously seeing some some value out of that, and I think that's a really promising direction um, from the project. Um, and essentially, it goes back to this, this difficulty, and I think this larger problem that Mesos is is solving around, uh, you know, running distributed systems. Um, which is it's very difficult for a variety of reasons, including you know, monitoring, handling failure, um, and you know, it can be a very onerous and you know, manual process. And I think the, the value proposition of something like Mesos, in terms of automating some of that and, and providing more visibility into what's happening on individual servers, uh, is something that's valuable to you know, companies the size of Twitter down to you know, small startups.
0: Right. Well, and I don't, and I don't think that's the, the the community numbers that you just sort of stated. You know, if you, and folks can go look at the broader numbers, like I don't think those are that far off from a lot of projects. Like Aaron and I, you know, yeah, spend a I lot of times around things something. like like OpenStack, <laughs> which again is you know sort of a distributed way of looking at certain problems that people had before, and when they run their community numbers. You know, there's a few that are way down on one end of a long tail, but there's lots that people that go, "Hey, I, my, you know, my cluster is my environment is less than 50 servers or 10 servers or whatever." So, I mean, I think there is a lot of learning curve, and then there's a there's a couple of sort of you know rock star kind of implementations like a Twitter or like a, a you know um, you know a couple of the others, and I think that's probably kind of normal, and that's why right now I suspect. You know, at most of the events, the, the, the lead speakers are are folks who have been doing it at, at you know fairly large scale and folks are trying to glean from them, okay, how can I how can I apply that to my twenty cluster, you know, my twenty node cluster and then hope to make that a thirty node cluster and, and and sort of grow from there. So I think that's I think that's yeah. pretty normal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely definitely an exciting time in
0: that regard. Yeah. So um so tell us about tell us about MesosCon. There's an event coming up in August. Tell us about what's going on with that thing.
2: Sure. So we're holding our first ever um, conference for the community, and it's, I think, going to be a pretty exciting milestone for, for the project as a whole. And it's the same time as LinuxCon, correct? Correct. So we're, we're co-locating this in Chicago with LinuxCon. Um, MesosCon itself will be taking place the 21st and 22nd of August, and um, day one is all sessions. Uh, you can learn about how people are using the project, uh, what are different application frameworks that have been built and how are they used. Um, We have a keynote from Ben Heinemann, who's one of the co-creators of the project and also the Apache VP. Um, John Wilkes from Google is going to be giving a keynote as well, specifically about um, Kubernetes and um, Omega and specifically how Google handles resource management. And um, I think it'll just be a really good moment for the community to kind of come together face-to-face. And then day two we 're actually going to have a hackathon, so hopefully we can kind of roll up our sleeves a little bit and um, kind of work together on that so so it 's going to be a, I think a pretty pretty great event for us very nice very cool
0: well listen um, you know you, you mentioned Kubernetes I knew we wanted to get into it, but I think we probably could make an entire show out of that uh, in terms of what it is and how it plays with Mesos and how folks are you know building some of these cool new things. Um, what else? If you know, if folks are trying to get started with this, if they're curious about it, they kind of hear it and they go, oh, that, "That sounds, you know, it's different than a problem I have, but maybe something interesting." Like, what's a great way for folks to kind of get started? Or, you know, are there, are there online tools that they can kind of play around with so that you know they don't have to have lots and lots of resources in their you know house or lab or something? Sure. So.
2: Um- I would suggest that everyone checks out the Apache website. So it's pretty simple, mesos.apache.org. And there we have um, links to a set of resources. If you look at our documentation, uh, we've been cataloging presentations and different talks that folks have given. So there's some great video resources um, of different kind of tech talks, everything ranging from getting up and started and running Mesos to um, building your own framework. Um, there's also some great resources that Mesosphere has developed at their website mesosphere.io, and they have some more interactive type
0: of tutorials that
2: uh, I think have been really helpful for for the community as well.
0: Very cool. They're uh, cool, Aaron. I think I think they're like the Mirantis of uh, of Mesos. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Very cool. Well, listen, uh, Dave. This has been this has been cool. This has been fun. Um, you know, I think uh, for anybody going to LinuxCon, definitely go check out some of the stuff that you guys are working on, especially if you're. Around the infrastructure space um, I think it's it 's kind of interesting stuff it's It was talked about a lot at Oscon, which means you know it may be a few years from a lot of the mainstream, but there was enough stuff going on that it 's probably interesting that, that people kind of dig into especially if they 're into docker because it might help them you know uh, do some of their docker stuff uh, uh, efficiently so very very cool. thank you for being on tonight. Um, Aaron, you want to uh, wrap it up and take us home
1: yeah, absolutely so Dave, where can everyone Follow you, stalk you, and find out more about what you're doing at Twitter or with Mesos. Sure. So there are two Twitter two Twitter accounts that you should check
2: out. One is my own, Dave Lester, and the other is at Apache Mesos.
1: Cool. All right. Cool. Thank you very much. And if you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcast.net or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything CloudCast. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Be a hero. Leave a review on iTunes and tell a friend about the podcast.